0: Welcome to Driving the Deal from sunny Nashville, Music City, USA, from the Dermot Will and Emery ASC slash PPM conference. This is Brian Fortune once again. Sadly, I am not joined by my usual co-host, Chris Whirling, who is having a much-needed family vacation, uh, driving sled dogs somewhere in the frozen north. But I am joined by my very own, well, two guests, my very own Director of Research, Jackie Williams from the Farragut Square Group. Also, our special guest today is, is our Senior Analyst at the DC office who covers PPMs. Holly Stokes. Welcome both, as we will be reviewing PPMs and, uh, and what we like and don't. So let's jump right into it. So Holly, we always put together that wonder, wonderful green light, yellow light, red light chart. Uh, and obviously we've got the PPMs uh, split up on a lot of that. So let's kind of kick off with PPMs that you've been watching that you think are, are most interesting from the standpoint of reimbursement stability or, or otherwise a positive interest.
1: Yeah, so we are continuing to see a ton of reimbursement strength and stability, as well as PE interest in specifically gastroenterology and ophthalmology. You know, thinking about gastroenterology since the 2016 code restructuring, it's really been a space of stability, and we expect that to continue going forward. It's really benefited from high utilization of EM codes, which of course saw Increases in reimbursement in 2021. And we also expect it to be benefiting from closing the colonoscopy loophole, which will ease some barriers to access, and that tailwind will go through 2030. So, altogether, gastroenterology is looking very solid and is also seeing healthy increases in the ASC fee schedule, which is another real uh, driver for opportunities. Thinking about ophthalmology, which I know Farragut is having an individual deep dive podcast on, so I'll be brief here, but we continue to see a lot of PE interest in the space, and we expect the sector to be stable going forward after some of the pressure that we saw two years ago. We do, of course, continue to monitor cataract codes. We expect that there could be some headline risk calling for RUC reviews, But we don't expect that sort of pressure to be at the same magnitude that we saw two years ago. And of course, whenever you're talking about ophthalmology, you also think about retina. What we're doing right now is we are monitoring the spaces right now. We do know that there is the potential for biosimilars to enter for ilea and lucentis in the next few years. And that will likely exert some kind of market pressure on the average sales price. But we don't think it'll be at the same magnitude that we've seen in other biologic biosimilar entries. And that's really because of the presence of generic off-label Avastin.
2: And so over the the years, we've definitely seen the portion of PPMs that make up our reimbursement and regulatory due diligence work for clients, both on the buy side and the sell side. Um, But unlike a specialty like behavioral health that has fluctuated over the years um, and and vacillated back and forth for us. Um, PPMs have continued to be an extraordinarily busy space, but moving from specialty to specialty um, and, and up that acuity ladder. So are there specialties that are emerging as the next frontier?
1: Absolutely, and going right off of what you said with climbing that acuity ladder, cardiology is one that we're really seeing as the next frontier. Even if you look at the growth in cardio-specific ASCs, you can really see that increased appetite with cardio-specific ASCs jumping from 18 in 2017 to 88 in 2019. That's a huge jump, but then you compare that 88 to the 1,000-plus in gastroenterology that are billing Medicare, and you see while there is this appetite, there's also plenty of runway. So it's definitely a space we're watching, and we see a lot of opportunities, but it's also a space with a lot of moving parts and nuances that you really need to have a very thorough diligence on to understand. Outside of cardiology, another space we're seeing some growing interest in, and it might be sort of early days for, is orthopedics. There are some complexities in the market when you're going into an ortho deal, but from a Medicare reimbursement standpoint, we see the space as relatively stable though it's important to think through your ancillary services. For instance, if you're going into physical therapy, you want to review how an asset might leverage PTs versus PTAs because this year Medicare has started reimbursing services performed by PTAs at 85% of the Part B standard rate. One other thing that's really interesting and could be a valuable opportunity for PE going into orthopedics is how well it lends itself to the value-based care model.
2: So, going off of your point on moving parts, what spaces seem to be facing new challenges or specific considerations?
1: Yeah, so, like I said, while we see a lot of opportunities in cardio, it's also very important to do a deep dive on an asset's code utilization. For instance, if you're heavy on EM and cardio specific, it's relatively stable. But when you begin to get into vascular codes, that's when we're seeing some material pressure through 2025 due to CMS's clinical labor repricing initiative. That said, that clinical labor pressure is really concentrated in the non facility or office setting. So, if you're looking at an asset that's primarily furnishing services in ASCs, you're more shielded from that pressure. And that also leads to the opportunity to invest in an ASC cath lab hybrid model which can help sort of future-proof against shifts in delta between the two sites of service. But like I said, a lot of moving parts for diligence, if you're thinking about an ASC-OBL hybrid model, you need to consider what are the geographies of your asset and what are the corresponding state laws. Some states don't permit these hybrid models and some do, but under very specific restrictions like different points of entry or different dates of operation. And you also want to consider state laws around certificate of need or if those states are following CMS's trend to allow more cardio codes happening in the ASC, or if they're a bit slower to respond. So a lot of points of diligence, a lot of layers that you need to go into to really understand how to appropriately handicap an opportunity. And another space that we're seeing an opportunity in, but several moving parts is ambulatory infusion. So we like the space, But there are headwinds coming down with regard to what top drugs and assets using and how market pressure or potentially congressional action could shape that reimbursement. Currently, reimbursement is set at the average sales price plus 6% for physician-administered drugs, and material changes in reimbursement are really limited currently to market pressure that shifts the ASP. So right now, we're watching as nine of the drug industry's top 20 drugs by sales are set to lose exclusivity in the coming years. We're expecting biosimilars to enter, and we're expecting some uh, drive down of costs. On average, a biosimilar will receive a discount of 15 to 30%. And what I want to note here is that pricing pressure on biologics has historically been muted compared to generics. And that's because biosimilars are assigned a unique billing code rather than a consolidated single billing code that you'd see in the generic and associated brand drug market. Outside of market pressure, we are also keeping a very close eye on drug pricing proposals. Farragut discusses a lot the House's Build Back Better Act, and as I'm sure our clients know, that act has stalled, but it does signal some potential avenues for where drug pricing could go. And one thing that we've gotten very good at in our diligence is handicapping a sort of worst case scenario of where do your drugs sit? Are they a potential for any sort of ceiling prices? Is there any pressure on capping inflation and helping you walk through what would a worst case scenario look like?
0: So we brought up Washington and what they're up to, which brings us to a little bit of the speed round. So as we head into the summer, you know we have another proposed rule coming along. Uh, and as we head into that, you know, one thing that comes up in every single PPM you look at is that there's a handful of kind of macro issues that are going to affect every practice, some differently, but some the same. So, uh, Holly, kind of take us through three or four of those and and, uh, and what you've been thinking about
1: them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, four big macro pressures we're watching. One, the uh, budget neutrality requirements in the PFS, two, the clinical labor repricing, three, the return of the sequester, and four, a potential pay-go cut. So thinking about budget neutrality, we've seen continued pressure on the conversion factor since 2021 due to E&M changes. And we do know that there is a lingering 3% cut that is still to come. We do believe that it's possible Congress could be amenable to some kind of phase-in, but it's something we're watching for. Uh, The second point on clinical labor repricing, right now, CMS is phasing in clinical labor updates from 2022 through 2025. And if you're a specialty that is very heavy on clinical labor, this will serve as a tailwind. But if you are a specialty that is relatively light on clinical labor, you are having to compensate with some headwinds. Outside of those PFS changes, we also are expecting the return of the sequester, In December, Congress did pass an extension, but the 2% sequester is set to phase back in with 1% coming back in in Q2 of 2022, which we are recording at the time of Q1, but this will likely be released with that 1%, and the 2% would come back in Q3. And then the final uh, macro pressure is that potential 4% PAYGO cut, which is coming from the American Rescue Plan. It would likely be introduced in 2023, but we believe there may be some congressional appetite for forgiving
2: this cut.
0: Basically, Congress created a brand new cliff and they now have to fix it
2: every year or two. Right. Yeah, that is uh, not unfamiliar <laughs> to us <laughs> in, in terms of how Congress uh, handles these types of annual overhangs. And, and uh, as Brian mentioned, we are anticipating the PFS proposed rule likely in July, Um And so heading into that, what what is your outlook for the proposed rule and any other congressional actions? And do you anticipate that we're going to be, you know, deja vu all over again? Um, And and what is our expectation and what are we preparing clients for?
1: Absolutely. So like I said, there is that 3% overhang on the budget neutrality. We do expect that it will be the deja vu all over again that we've had for the past two years where we would likely see a three percent cut to the conversion factor across all physician specialties. But again, there is that very real possibility of Congress continuing to provide some sort of phase into the cut, maybe a 1.5 in 2023, 1.5 in 2024. Outside of that conversion factor pressure, you should expect the second year of the clinical labor repricing. So you will likely see continued pressure on interventional radiology and vascular surgery. And then outside of those more procedural changes, we're also going to be watching select specialties to see if CMS is implementing some code changes they've signaled in 2021. Specifically, I'll be watching pain management to see if CMS is deploying any add-on or new codes for chronic pain management to reimburse practitioners for wraparound services and care coordination. And I'll also be watching whether CMS will be adding any sort of updates to reimbursement for innovative technology such as AI, which is something that CMS signaled an interest in last year. That said, it could be a large process and it may take time to see those updates and not quite as fast as 2022.
0: All right. Well, we do expect a very, very busy year on uh, on PPMs. So we've seen that activity uh, coming uh, up on our radar early on. So we wish all of you best of luck if you were uh, active as an investor in the PPM space and uh, we always enjoy talking to you. That wraps up Driving the Deal this week. Very, very focused. Uh, I'd like to draw your attention to some great new ones coming as well. We have uh, will be uh, issuing one with an update on the No Surprises Act And we'll also be doing some events uh, around the uh, post-acute space as we head into CMS's regulatory season. So uh, thank you all once again for joining us. Uh, We'll be back at you soon and hope you have a great week. Thank you. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the Contributing Presenters or Authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2022, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication, without the prior written consent of McDermott, is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.